But anyway, uh, Happy New Year to you. Can you believe it's 2022? It's hard to believe that we're at this point. Uh, We've had a few weeks of uh, Christmas messages and the Christmas play. Today we're getting back on track with our study in 1 John chapter 4. I've entitled the message today, uh, To Love as Christ. And so, um, uh, again, I have a situation here where I only got to verse, we started at verse number 7, 1 John 4, 7. We're going down to chapter 5, verse 3. It's a long passage. We got as far as verses 7, 8, and 9 this morning at the early service. So we're going to try to stay on in track with that so that uh, next time I could start where I left off in both services. Are you with me? And uh, next Sunday, however, Pastor Bill will be sharing the word. Uh, I had intended to be in New York tonight. Uh, to visit my mom, but because of uh, just so much worry about health and everything, we decided just to stay put and uh, maybe go down next week. But anyway, Pastor Bill will be sharing next Sunday. So whatever I don't finish today, we'll start again in two weeks. But anyway, take your Bible. And uh, I also, this is what goes through my mind. Now, this is a long passage of Scripture. It's uh, about 21 verses altogether or so. Um, figured I'm going to read this scripture. It's going to take a little more time than usual, but I want to read the word of God. And so if you don't hear anything else that I say today, hear this part. It's the word of God. So we're in 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, And he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him. That he who loves God must love his brother also. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Father, Lord God, thank you for your word, and thank you for the freedom and liberty we have to worship you in spirit and truth, and to speak your word out, to talk about it, to preach it, to read it. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would seize this opportunity and speak to our hearts in in a very special and profound way on this first Sunday of the year. Father, I pray for those that are home today watching on live stream or maybe will watch later in the week. We pray, Lord, that everyone who hears this word will be challenged in a special way to pursue you throughout this year. So, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to teach us. Give us what we need to know. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so how many of you remember uh, the last time we spoke from uh, 1 John chapter 4? Raise your hand if you remember. I'll give you a, a hint. It was December the 5th, the first Sunday of December. Uh, it was about testing the spirits. And so we're coming out of that mindset of, uh, if you just kind of glance at verses 1 through 6, uh, John is, is telling the church to test the spirits and make sure everything's copacetic. Uh, incidentally, I had a a message this morning from someone, not from our church, someone that I know, that asked me if I ever heard of this person uh, that has a, a worldwide ministry. I, I have not. I had not. I did look him up real quick. And uh, several articles that I read about this person said to beware, this is a false prophet. And so that, that is still happening. That whole thing is still happening. So beware of the false prophets and, uh, and, and people that minister to you and so forth. But anyway, he begins with verse number seven and a whole different uh, course of discussion. I wonder, I wanted to ask you this. Is anyone familiar with verses seven and eight? I, I'm very familiar with those verses because many years ago, those two verses, unbeknown to me at the time, was a song. I mean, I knew it was a song. I didn't know it was scripture. We used to sing this song all the time on Sunday morning for about five years in the 70s and 80s. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Uh, Wait a minute. (laughs) For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. Oh, beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Anyway, that was like standard That was standard worship music back in the day. Could you imagine? But little did I know, and probably thousands of other people didn't know, we were memorizing scripture without even realizing it. And so that's very familiar. There's other other verses in this passage that are pretty familiar. Verse number 16, you probably have heard. I mean, God is love, right? God is love. That's where we see, one of the places we see it. God is also just so he's, he's not just love, he's, he's just as well. And so there's a balance of his justness with his love. Uh, verse number 18 is probably familiar with uh, many people. Perfect love cast out fear. Uh, there is no fear in God. Perfect love cast out fear. Uh, verse number 19 is probably familiar. We love him because he first loved us. These are all scriptures that kind of stand alone, but I want to look at it in in, in context. Verse 21, uh, he who loves God must love uh, his brother 
also. So I think in in this passage from verse 7 all the way down to verse number 3 of chapter 5, I think in this this section, uh, John encapsulates the entirety of the Christian message. And the entirety of the Christian message is to love God, love people, as Christ has loved us, as Christ loves us. In a nutshell, that's the message. And another thing I wanted to share with you, that uh, I am convinced more than ever that doing this type of a study is the way to go for this season. In other words, we're going book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So there's a couple of reasons for that. One reason is uh, no one could ever say that I'm preaching a message because of something that's happening in the church. We just happen to be here today on this topic. So I'm off the hook. Thank you, Lord. All right. And the other thing is that I realized I shared this on Wednesday night. and I'll just share a little bit with you here. Um, we, we have gone through verse by verse on Wednesday night and now Sunday morning. Revelation, Romans, first and second, Timothy, uh, Ephesians and Romans. I think those five books. And we, we had wonderful times of study. But to be honest with you, I discovered things during that time that I never really knew or focused on before. So then recently, I hear this teaching from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, I've read 2 Thessalonians many times. I've never studied it or taught it verse by verse. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there's a passage there that totally blew me away. It, It has shaken me. And what the verses say, and I'm just, I'm going off on a little bit here, but I want you to hear this. By studying verse to verse, you, you find out things that you normally may miss. And what I see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and maybe you know this, I wasn't really focusing on this, but when the rapture comes, after the rapture comes, there will be a spirit of delusion over the people. And, and even those that were around the church, that were never submitted to the church, when they're left behind, they won't have an opportunity to repent. That blows me away, church. But that kind of stuff only comes by diligently studying verse by verse, line by line, the Word of God. Now what that does, that particular case does, that puts a whole question mark over the whole Left Behind series if you know what I'm talking about, the movie and the books that came after, which I love those movies and those, those books. But if that's true, and I think it is true, I have to study it more, then we have more work to do to explain the way of Christ before the rapture happens. Because once it happens, it's uncertain what's going to happen to those that heard the gospel and refused it. Now, you know from Revelation, m- millions of people will get saved during the, rap- during the tribulation period. That's a given. So the question is, who are, who are they? Well, they won't be those that heard the gospel before. And there are millions of people today that have not heard the gospel. I always wondered what would happen to them. Most of them, many of them will get saved during the tribulation time. But if they heard the message before, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, it's too late for them to have that second chance. That puts the fear of God in me. I heard a little message this morning as I was waking up. I had, had the thing on and I heard someone talking about the fear of God. He said, you know what the fear of God is? The fear of God. It's being afraid of God, of, of his judgments, of, of his wrath, of his 
of his personhood. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. I mean, it's a healthy respect and all that, yes. But the fear of God is absolutely the beginning of wisdom, the scriptures say. So all, all I'm saying is, when you, we go verse by verse, it helps us learn things and see things that we may have missed along the way. So anyway, when we talk about this, uh, so the title of this message is, To Love as Christ... In order to do this, the love of Christ must dwell within us. Well, someone may ask, how does the love of Christ dwell within us? Well, we receive it. How do we receive it? Well, we get to a point in our life where we're basically miserable with ourselves and miserable with life. And we, we have a talk with God. It could be a church. It could be on the street. It could be riding in your car. It could be anywhere. But we have a talk with God and we say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I messed up. I know I'm falling short. I agree with what your word says. I'm lost. And we confess our sins to God and we repent. We repent before God. And with the desire not to go back into that lifestyle or into those those things again. And we ask God to come into our heart and to reside within us. We ask him, we invite him, and he comes into our heart, into our mind, into our spirit, into our being. And that's when we're born again. And that is when we receive his love. His love saves us. Think of the cross. We just had communion. Love put him there. That love saves us. And he deposits that love into us. We didn't have it before. That's why there's a before and after when we come to Christ. There's a before Christ and there's an after Christ. But before Christ, we did not have the love of God abiding in us. So then and now, presently, we have to cultivate this love. We have to get familiar with it and and learn to appreciate it and nurture it. And we have to safeguard ourselves from any effort from Satan or demons or people or from ourselves. They may want to sabotage what God has started in our hearts. Love love is like a seed. It needs water. It needs sunlight. It needs TLC. Jesus said a seed must die before it brings life. And then he died on the cross in order that we might have life. Paul said that one plants a seed and one comes and waters and one reaps a harvest. But God gives the increase. And so think about this. If you're born again, if you're a Christian person, God has deposited his love in you. And every one of us, we all have God's love in our heart. So I could go around the room. You have it. You, everyone has his love. Think, let that sink in. We have something that the unredeemed don't have. We can't just blow that by really quickly. Let, let's think about that. We have something that unredeemed of the world do not have. You ever notice like when you're in a place and there's a lot of unsaved people and you feel something? Like you feel like there's a tension or something is off. Well, that's because we're one way and they're a different way. We have the love of Christ in us. Now, you may not have known that. I didn't know that when I first got saved. I didn't realize theologically what happened to me. I learned it along the way. But I knew that I was different. I knew that when I was around people that did things that I didn't think were right, I felt bad about it. I felt funny about it. So 
with all that, so we have it, everyone has this love. So then the question comes up in my mind, why is there conflict in the church? Why are there hard feelings in the church, in the body of Christ, in ministries? And I sensed the Lord say to me as I was preparing, you know what? Conflicts aren't really all that bad. Ask Barnabas and Paul about it. They'll tell you a few stories. Ask Jesus and Peter. He'll, he'll tell you a few more stories. Ask Peter and Paul. They could tell you a few things about conflict and hard feelings. My goodness, I've been going through the book of Psalms. A lot of those Psalms, David is pouring out his heart to God because he's got hard feelings or people have hard feelings against him. So we have to understand when there's conflicts or hard feelings or misunderstandings within the body of Christ, those things are going to happen. But they must be undergirded and tempered by love, the love of Jesus Christ. We're different than the world. We do things differently because we have this love within us. And so his grace, his mercy must be poured out and received. Our grace, our mercy must be given to others. And in the process of doing this, the, the standard of the gospel, the standard of holiness is never watered down. We have to uphold that standard as we exercise grace and mercy. Sometimes within the body of Christ, we need to agree to disagree on some matters. At the same time, demonstrate love and respect for one another. It's okay to disagree. It's not okay to harbor anger and hold a grudge and gossip about the situation with other people. So verses 7 through 5-3, I think, tell us verse by verse what this love is all about and what God expects. And, And let me say this. The end result is not what you would think. The end result is never going to be total unity in the body of Christ until Jesus comes back. That will never happen. What will happen is we're going to be working it out. We're going to be working it out. We're going to be striving with ourselves, striving with others, striving with the Lord. We're going to work it out. We're going to hang together and be together until he comes back. So I want to start with verse number 7 and try to see how far we could get with this. But he says in verse number seven, beloved. So he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the born again believer. He's speaking to the body of Christ. Church, he's saying church. He could have said little children because he uses that phrase as well in this, in this epistle. But he says, beloved, beloved, uh, let us, in other words, let's, let's do this. Let's be willing to do this. Let's see the value of this. Let's see the need for this. And remember the background in in John's life? Now we're 55 years or so from the Last Supper when John wrote this. So John's remembering. And don't you appreciate John? John was there the night that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. He's, he's, and that, that's embedded in John's theology. And so he's saying in verse number seven, beloved, let us do what Jesus said to do. Let us love one another. And, and, and see that phrase right there, beloved, let us love one another. 
It sounds like it came from the 1960s when everyone had a peace sign and were hippies. Let's love one another. Not really, but it sounds easy, but it's not easy. You know why it's not easy? Because we all have prejudices. We all have stuff in our mind with regarding other people. Like we think that our lifestyle, our life, our life is the standard of normal. When I'm not so sure if I would say my life is the standard of normal. But in other words, we, we have racial issues. Look at our culture. We have, we have uh, language issues. We have background issues. For instance, someone may come into the church with a very sordid background. They may look tough. They may talk tough. They may not use the best words all the time. They may have a prison record or whatever. But they're just as saved as the next person if they receive Christ. There can't be prejudice against that. Or someone else may come in. They just got saved and they come up with a brand new car. They have a, they have a lot of money. They flaunt it. They don't know that they're supposed to be humble yet. And, and some people don't like him because he's a rich guy. So it goes both ways. Beloved, let us love one another. Someone might say, well, I don't like old people. Uh, ah, that, that, there's too sickly. I, they're too needy. I can't love. They're too talkative. You ever hear that? They're too tall. All they do is talk my ear off. Then they, on the other hand, they say, that person never talks. What's the matter with them? They're too, uh, they're too young. They're too cool. They're too opinionated. Well, let, let's stay focused here. See, this could never, ever happen in our own efforts. Beloved, let us love one another. Yeah, all right. That'll go so far. The next phrase ties it in. For love is of God. You can't love one another without the love of God in you. But if the love of God is in you, you must love one another. And so he, what he's saying is, um, the love, for love is of God. It's birthed in God. It's the heart and soul of God. Everything God has done, everything God is doing, everything that he's going to do is birthed in his love for his creation. So, beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Let's not love the way we think we should love. Let's love the way God loves. How did God love? He gave his son. Sacrificially gave his son, dying on a cross. He gave his very best. So let us love one another the way that God loves us. So verse number seven finishes by saying, um, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Paraphrase, everyone who, who loves like God loves is born again. And everyone who loves like that knows God and continues to know God. So we can't even attempt to love one another without this relationship with God first. We're born again into the kingdom and the love of God is working in us and we know God. We continue to know God and we're continuing to learn things about God. I, I pray that that never ends for us. Like I said, I just learned something from Second Thessalonians 2 I never really focused on after 40 plus years. So we know God and we're knowing God. But because of that, we can love one another. And see, this verse number seven sets the stage for a multicultural, multiracial, multilingual, multi-age, whatever, multi-everything type of a church wherever or whenever it's planted. To me, verse number seven is a recipe for a successful church. 
If you could really love one another as God has loved you, you're, you're on the way to building a very solid and very special church. And of course, this is a, a microcosm. The local church is a microcosm of the larger universal church, which is all of those things. But it needs to be manifested through a local church. And verse number eight, I think, is very important, too. It says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In other words, if verse seven's not happening, guess what? That church isn't happening. You can't have church without the love of God going on. And you can't have the love of going on unless, unless the love of God is residing in you. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you know God, you will love. Look over in chapter 3, verse 14. We studied this a few weeks ago. Chapter 3, verse 14. One of the litmus tests for knowing if you pass from death to life. And we all, we all like to say that. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. Once I was blind, now I see. Well, how do you, how do you prove that? Well, because I go to church every week. Well, okay. Because I sing loud and during worship. Okay. Well, it says in chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we pass from death to life because why? We, we love the brethren. So the barometer of our love for God in, in passing from death to new life in Christ is how we love one another. This is very powerful. And then so we go to verse number nine. Uh, in, in this, the love of God was manifested toward, I call this the Christmas verse, by the way. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So I think of Christmas. I think of Luke 2.11. There is born unto you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. I think about John 3.16. We sang it earlier. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. I think of Romans 5.8. That says that God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think of Galatians 2.20 when Paul said, It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so verse number 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Praise God. Now, I wanted to, I'm going to have to wrap this up so I could stay in place with the early service. But look over at verses 17 and 18 real quick. Well, let, let me go back. Verse number 12 is really important, too. We'll get to it next time. But verse number 12 says, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. Can I make a comment on that? No one has seen God, but they see God through the living Loving body of Christ. Don't you know that? When Pamela and I first got saved, I'm telling you what, I, I didn't know these people. They loved on us. You know, they didn't compromise anything, but they loved on us. They accepted us and loved on us. And, and that demonstrated to me that God is in this place. And as we move forward, I'm telling you, we live in a culture where so many people are fearful. So many people are prejudiced. The political season a year and a half ago was terrible for the church. Just terrible. But if we genuinely love one another, people will see God in us, in the church, working in the church. And what I was saying before, verses 17 and 18, you would think that the perfection of love within a church or within the body of Christ would be that everyone gets along so well and is happy forever and ever. Amen. But that's not what it says. 
Not that we don't strive for that. We do. But what it says is, is verse number 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. And what he says is completely different to me. He says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. What? So the love working within us and within the body of Christ will be perfected, not now, but when we stand before God, we don't fear judgment of God because we've been living it out in real life. It'll never be perfect. That's the striving. That's, that's where verse 7 comes in. Let us love one another. Let's, let's do this. Let's love each other and, and make it through. And when we get to the other side, the Lord will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But when we stand before God, there won't be a heavy judgment on us because we'll be covered. We were obedient to what he was saying to do. I find that amazing. Verse number 18 says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. So if we were to stand before God and, and, and under his judgment, we would be fearfully tormented by that. But what does it say in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21? If my heart condemns me, right? If my heart condemns me, uh, God is greater than my heart and he knows all things. If my heart doesn't condemn me, we have confidence with God. So what he's saying in verses 17 and 18, if we're doing this, if we're loving one another and working things out and going forward the best we can, when we stand before God, that judgment will not be upon us. We'll have confidence And that perfect love of God will cast away any fear we might have of standing before him. And I would say this, too. and I don't don't mean to be a, a doomsday person, but there's too much going on in the world to not think about Jesus coming back. I I really think the Lord is maybe saying, why aren't more churches talking about this? It's like the kind of thing where, 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 where when it happens, you, you'd say, why didn't you tell us? And the Lord would say, why did I tell? I mean, I've been telling you for years about this, this, this. And you never listened to me. I, I feel like that's where we're at. And, and there's so much going on. And go back to Second Chronicles 7.14. When the pandemic first hit, this was a big verse. And, and talk about studying verse by verse. We studied that chapter. That chapter in Second Chronicles... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sin and heal their land. And when you study that, you realize, okay, the, the, the land was destroyed because God destroyed it. It was God's wrath on Israel that did it. But if my people would repent, I'll heal their land. So in the same manner, uh, there's so much going on today with this pandemic and everything associated with it. God is doing something. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Can I say this? Uh, You know, no one knows what we do, really. No one knows, knows what you do. No one knows what I do. Well, my wife knows. There's a little piece she doesn't know because <laughs> we're not 24-7. But only God knows what we do. But when that scripture says, turn from your wicked ways, I'll tell you what, when this pandemic hit in 2020, I, I realized, man, 
I don't know what's going on. I want to be ready. I really want to be ready. And so if there's any wicked way, what did David say? Search me, O God, know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Now's the time to get that right, church. There may not be a tomorrow. Not to mention, I mean, Jesus may come back. Yeah, all right. But somebody may get sick and die. That's very real, too. It's happening all over the place. We had a person in our church tell me just the other day, five people that they know died of COVID in the last week. Two pastors died of COVID in, in Haverhill. One pastor's son died of COVID in Haverhill. And you wonder, what's going on with all that? It's time to get it right, church. And then if you throw into that mix the idea that if the rapture does happen and we're left behind and we knew all this and we didn't do anything with it, it'll be too late for us? Oh, my goodness. That's a heavy statement. But you read 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11, and tell me what you think. In other words, if we hear the gospel and we reject the gospel, we reject what the, Lord, what the word says, and Jesus comes back and the church is out of here and we're left behind, it says a strong delusion will come and the man of sin will come. And, and the Lord God would put a delusion upon the people that they couldn't hear the truth, they would follow the lie. That scares me right there. That scares me. But then all these other people that never heard the gospel, Right? Different countries, different places, remote places, they never heard the gospel. They'll have a chance to hear the gospel. That makes sense to me. So anyway, I want to wrap this up. I don't want to, I don't want to give it too much more because, you know, I want to save it. So um, to love as Christ. The main thing I guess I'm saying is we can never love as Christ unless the love of God is working in us and through us. When we do it that way, it's basically easy. When we try to love our way with our own prejudices and our own way, it becomes very complicated. So if you would read, read over this, these verses between now and two weeks from now, First uh, John 4, 7 through 5, 3. Amen? So why don't we stand together? We're going to wrap this up right here. <laughs> the things you find out. There was a squirrel in the church. Did Dan Johnson take care of it? Thank you, Dan. Where is he? Well, we had a few bats one time. Now we have a squirrel. All right, so let's let's just bow our hearts before the Lord for a moment. I said earlier, this is the crux of the gospel: to love God, love people as Christ loves us. And, And at the same time, this is probably one of the hardest teachings for the church to do to forgive people to deal with people to love people that are unlovable but just remember we are also unlovable to some people so just want to 
take a minute here and uh, allow you to respond to this. The first question is, is this. Are you ready to receive God's love? Because that's where it starts. Are you ready to receive the love of God in your life? And allow him to begin a work in you or to continue the work that he started. Anyone like that? Are you willing to let God's love work in you? And then secondly, so this is designed for the church first. So we, we need to focus on loving people in the church. I wouldn't even ask for a show of hands, but there may be some that have difficulties with people in the church. pray for that and then there may be other people outside of the church that we have conflict with and and we're concerned about them because we know the truth we just don't know how to reach them so I want to pray along those lines Father first of all we as one come before you today renewing our relationship with you we receive your love again today. We receive it. We, we had communion. We recognize your sacrificial love on Calvary. We receive that, Lord, and, and we appreciate all that you've done, all that you're doing for us. And, Father, we pray that, um, that that love that you have given to us would go deep, deep, deep into our hearts, that it would continue to change us. Let us be aware of it. Let us be aware that we're different than how we used to be before you. So everything that we go through in life is tempered by this love that's been deposited in our own hearts. So thank you for that, Lord. But let us, let us focus on it and, and realize the potential we have because of it. Lord, with that, now I, I want to pray, Lord, for the body of Christ. Not just this body, but the body of Christ at large. Because we, we hear and see so much conflict within the body of Christ. And conflict is all right, but sometimes, Lord, it turns ugly. It turns bitter. And we pray, Lord, for forgiveness for that. We pray for healings of that. We pray, Lord, that we in the body of Christ would recognize one another as truly brother and sister. Lord, let that ring home true to us. Brother and sister. We have the same spiritual father. Hallelujah. We have the same Holy Spirit drawing us, living within us. We have the same love of God that was poured out. Lord, help us to cultivate that sense of spiritual family within the local church. And Lord, may it spill out as we fellowship with other Christians and other churches. And Lord, thirdly, most of us most likely have people in our lives that are not Christians and we butt heads. And we pray, Lord, that the love of Christ in us would somehow be poured out onto them as well, that they would see the, the love that we have, that they would gravitate towards that love, just like we did when we first heard the gospel. Lord, so we pray for maybe our siblings, our family members. We pray for relatives, close friends, co-workers that need the gospel, our sons and daughters, oh God. We pray that they see the love of Christ in us and they would want that for themselves. So Lord, help us with this. 
Help us with this. And Lord, help us to understand the concept that when it's all said and done, when we stand before you, after we've loved one another and loved you, we won't be in fear of judgment. We won't be in fear of not making it. In fact, we'll be judged in a sense by how we love one another. If we do our part, we got it made in heaven. So Lord, help us get that concept that it won't be perfect here on earth. It won't be. You said, Lord, there will be tribulation on this earth, but you've overcome all that. We pray, Lord, that we would do our best to live. What is your word says, Lord, how, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Do your own part to live at peace with all men. Help us, Lord, to live our part, do our part to be at peace with everybody, beginning in the house of the Lord. So we thank you, Lord, and uh, for, Lord, for this first Sunday of the year. Thank you for this particular passage where we are. Uh, let this be a theme throughout the year as we see other people come in here that are hungry for the things of God. They may be sickly. They may be worried. They may be fearful. They may have a certain political slant, but Lord, help, help us to embrace them and love them into the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, to fulfill, as, as that, that passage says, fulfill the law of Christ. Follow the commandments of Christ. Help us to love our brother. So, Lord, I thank you for this. May your blessing be upon uh, everyone here, everyone at home, um, not only today, but over 2022. May the presence of God richly reside within us and rest upon us and all that we say and do. We thank you for it, Lord. And this we pray, hallelujah, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen and amen. Listen, um, if, you, uh, if you missed Friday night and you want a scripture card, uh, Pamela has some. If you signed up for one on the live stream, I have those. So if that's the case, see me. If you didn't sign up, see Pamela. And happy new year to you and God bless you.